Welcome back, Grace Point. Glad to be with you again online this week. But next week, again, we will be back live. Hopefully you'll join us. I can tell you right now, I'm still hearing the voices singing. I'm still hearing the clapping. I'm still seeing the faces of people that I hadn't seen in five months. What an incredible time we had last week. If you were with us, you know what I'm talking about. So next week, again, we're methodically coming back very systematically. We're rolling back into next week. We're next week because we want to maintain social distancing. We want to continue to to do all of those precautions. We'll be back together. But instead of just having one gathering, we're having two gatherings, 9, 10, and 10, 45. For us to continue to maintain the good social distancing, we need to do that. But we need your help. One, we need to know if you're coming. All right, tell us who's coming. Tell, tell us the number who's coming from your family. And please invite people. You know people, I know people, who have been without church for more than five months, maybe years. And there's there's an emptiness inside of all of us because of all of this distancing and and shutdown and some discouragement and some fear and anxiety over people. What an incredible time to invest to invite, to intercede for our friends and neighbors uh, and invite them to be with us. I would love to meet him. We're having guests every time we open the doors. First time with us. So thank you. Awesome. Good to meet each one of you. Next Sunday, text relaunch to 97000 and let us know you're coming and we'll make sure there's a space for you. We are opening back up and we are excited about that. But last week we kicked off a new series of messages called love better. If you remember, we talked about neighbor. Who is your neighbor? The big question in that in that parable of the Good Samaritan, go back and listen to that. It's in Luke chapter 10, incredible story that Jesus tells. But if you remember who our neighbor is, our neighbor is the person who God brings in our paths. As we're going about life, God puts them in your way, on your way. You don't even have to go out of your way to find your neighbor. God just puts them in your path. You have to have eyes open and a willing heart to get in into someone's life and to be a part of the healing process. Again, not going to re- retell last week's message, but just a reminder, we're expanding our understanding of who our neighbor is, okay? Today, we're going to expand our understanding of what love is. Also, your neighbor is the person that makes you a little uncomfortable. That's true. It's not just the person that you have an affinity with or you like to go on the bike trails with or you go to the gym or, or work with or you talk about gaming with. You know, it's not, not that necessarily. It's sometimes the people who are completely different than you. People race different than you, maybe religion different than you, maybe even politically differently different than you. But yet you are their neighbor and you get to be Jesus in their life. And so your neighbor are people that God brings in your way, on your way, but he also are the people who make you a little uncomfortable. That's better love, okay? That's better neighboring. But now let's talk about the better love side, all right? There's all kinds of love out there. Not all love is created equal either. And there are dimensions of love. Now, what I hope is I hope that you have all these dimensions of love in your life or that you will experience them at some point in your life, okay? There are five dimensions I want to highlight, really rapid fire, so if you want to jot them down, you can. One is I call it the easy love. You just love the lovables, 
Okay, it's the dog. It's the cat, if you like cats. It's the dog, because every time you see the dog, the dog wags its tail. You have a bad day, you have a good day. The dog's wagging its tail as soon as you walk in the door. It's so glad to see you. That's easy love. In fact, some people are better at loving dogs than they are at loving people. Think about that, okay? But there's also that lovable people, that's the babies. You know, have you ever met a baby who doesn't want to just be loved and love you back? Or maybe they're a toddler and they're walking up to you and their arms are big. They see you as bigger than life. Listen, if you serve in our preschool uh, ministries, we have over 130 children, a part of our preschool ministries. You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about easy love. You become the heroes of their story. You walk in there every Sunday. They walk in and they see you. They're so glad to see you. Listen, if you want to find a ministry where you can experience and give easy love, you need to see Anya. You need to, you need to contact us and we find a place for you in our preschool ministry. That's a place to find easy love. It's a harvest field of that. Okay. Uh, second kind of love. Family love. Family love is natural kind of love. It's blood love. It's love. You love people because they're family, right? Now, I have to admit, I have family. I mean, you have family that probably you wouldn't be friends with in another life, and you love them only because they're your family. In fact, they're part of your family tree, and you'd really like to saw off that family tree. But they're still family. So you love them. All right? You give them extra grace. You, you tolerate some of their idiosyncrasies or something like that. That's two kinds of love. The third kind of love is a mutual love. Now, this is the kind of love, when you think about love, that that you really want to lean in on, okay? This is the one that's not natural. It's not It's not necessarily easy. It's one of those where you're not necessarily one-to-one. I'm giving, you're giving. I'm, I'm keeping a score, you're keeping a score. And I'll love you as much as you love me. But it is mutual, okay? It is friendships, okay? It is a marriage. It is a dating relationship. Listen, if you're in a dating relationship and you're the only one depositing into the dating relationship and they're the only ones withdrawing out of the relationship, you need to bamboos to another relationship, okay? Listen, mutual love is where both people are equal. It's like a joint checking account. Each person's putting in, each person's taking out. You're putting in as much as you can put in and you're taking out only what you need to take out. And so you're building up interest. So think about that mutual love. Hopefully you have that. Now, no, that's not what we're talking about today. When we talk about better love, hopefully we can do better love in all of those dimensions of love. But it's the last two dimensions of love. If we expanded our understanding of what a neighbor is last week, we're going to expand our understanding of what love is this week. Because the next two mentions of love, dimensions of love are probably the most difficult. First of all, it's the sacrificial kind of love. So that's the fourth dimension of love, sacrificial love. This kind of love is the love that you give not expecting anything in return. You just give it, okay? You're giving it sacrificially. When Jesus came, he said that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is a model of this kind of love. So it's a sacrificial love whenever you, for example, serve among students, okay? Those students, sometimes you don't see the reciprocated kind of love back at you. I, let me tell you a story in my life. I grew up 
And I was a teenager that was a mess, okay? That's just all it was to it. I was a teenager that was a mess, but I started really going south in my tween years, about fifth, sixth grade. But there was a Sunday school teacher that stepped into my life at that point named Buddy Dyer. Buddy was a godly man, full of love, full of embrace, just just embraced us as a bunch of dudes, okay, in our class. He took us camping. He invited us to his house. We'd have girl conversations, all that kind of stuff. Buddy was a simple man. He wasn't a pastor. He was an electrician. But Buddy poured into us. Tom Jones, who's a member of our church, is one of those in my life. He's a part of our church. It's, it's incredible. Buddy, though, has gone to be with Jesus. But Buddy never stopped pouring into Mike McDaniel. Even when Lori and I were missionaries in Africa, he was still, he and Molly were pouring in and investing in Mike McDaniel. I will never forget Buddy when I was in the fifth and sixth grade and he was loving on us. He made a difference. I didn't show it then. But it's so beautiful that because he invested in me, he made a difference in me. Guess what? I get to now invest in Buddy. It's next generation. A part of our church right now is Buddy's granddaughter, Stephanie Brown. That's Andrew Brown's wife. Andrew's one of our pastors. What's really cool is that not only do I get to pour into Stephanie Brown, but I get to pour into Ellis Brown who is Buddy's great-granddaughter, who Buddy never even met. So I get to pour into next generation and the next generation, and Buddy poured into me. Let me just say this. If you have never invested in the next generation of working in a student ministry, of working in the children's ministry, you are missing an opportunity to invest like a Buddy Dyer did in me. Who knows? You might invest in your next pastor. You might be investing in your next open heart surgeon. You might be investing in your next teacher that will teach your children's children's children. So I just encourage you, if you have not found your place of service as we reopen, consider sacrificial loving the next generation. What you can do is go on our website to gracepointchurch.net slash serve and fill out our survey right now and say, I'm ready to look at serving in these areas. Okay. There's options on there for you. It takes 221 people every single week to serve our next generations and to get them ready to go out into the big bad world. Sacrificial love. One example, the fifth kind of love is one that is going to be even harder. If Easy love and family love and mutual love comes naturally. I can tell you right now, sacrificial love is not natural and mercy love is by all means supernatural. I want you to think for the rest of this message about one person. The one person that you don't want to think about anymore in your life. The one person that really you don't ever want to see anymore in your life. Maybe this one person was a boss. Maybe this one person was a coach. Maybe this one person was a clergy. Maybe this one person was a family member. Maybe this one person was fill in the blank, but they hurt you, they abused you, and you really just don't care for them. That person deserves not sacrificial love, but deserves mercy love. Mercy love is when we learn to love our negative neighbors. 
Those who have negatively affected us, impacted us. Whenever you look back at, at, at the story that we read last week, you'll notice a phrase there in chapter 10, verse 36 and 37. He said, the one who showed him mercy. That was the hero of the story. Mercy is a very critical element in the story of a better love. Mercy love. Okay? Also, if you look at this week's Luke chapter 6, be turning there. That's where we're going to be today. Luke 6, 36. This is what it says. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. All right, so He's given us mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy is an ingredient that you cannot live without if you're going to have better love. I have to say that I have never preached at Grace Point Church a message on mercy. That is a shame. Because mercy is one of the most incredible elements that I think is missing in our day. Mercy is what's written across my chest. It's, and this is being quoted from Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Oh mortal, what good? What does the Lord require of you? What does God require of us? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Notice that middle phrase. To love mercy. Love and mercy go hand in hand. They go hand in hand, but also mercy and grace go hand in hand. They're like brothers walking through life. They're like kindred spirits. One doesn't happen without the other, and the, and the other is just as important as the latter. Mercy and grace. Grace and mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve a relationship with God. There's so many things in my life I just don't deserve. I get them because of the good grace of a good God. God is good. God is gracious to me. In fact, I don't deserve heaven. Heaven is given to me. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says... But just prior to chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, you skip up a few verses. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, he helps us to understand what mercy is. And by the way, I will say this. If you have never experienced the grace of God and been saved by the grace of God, would you do this for yourself? Would you text GPC Connect to 97000 so that one of our pastors can walk with you in how to step into the grace of God? As you understand the grace of God, you'll better understand the mercy of God. Because if grace is getting what you don't deserve, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. In chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 of Ephesians, it talks about grace. In chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it talks about mercy and how mercy precedes grace. This is what we were like without God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were falling after the prince of the power of the air. We were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath. Translated, we're a hot mess. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love. Did I tell you that mercy and love go hand in hand together? Mercy, love. We see it displayed right there in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. 
We see God's mercy and His love walking hand to hand together. I want our pastors to come now and read our full passage together. I want you to know our pastors. We've had some pastoral changes over the past several months. Some of y'all are new to Grace Point Church. You need to know who are people who want to walk with you in mercy and grace. As you develop mercy, as you develop grace, I want you to hear our pastors read our passage of Scripture today. Listen carefully and get to know our pastors. But I say to you who fear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Bye, guys. So that's our pastoral team sharing with you. They want to pour into your life. They want to be a part of your family story. Please let us walk with you in your journey of the faith. But let's all read together the last words of that passage of Scripture where Jesus challenges us to love those negative neighbors in our life. All right, let us read verse 36 together. You read it out loud with me. It's going to appear on the screen. Here it is. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. God, Jesus, literally calls us to a ministry of mercy, to a ministry of giving love to people who don't deserve love. That's hard. But that's exactly what Jesus does for you and I. So Jesus is not asking anything of us that he has not already done for us. And he literally tells us how. Because to be honest with you, I don't know how to love my enemies. I have had abusers in my life. I don't know how to love my abusers. Maybe you have as well. So how is it that we do that? Well, he tells us quite clearly in verse 27 and 28. You love your enemies, you do good to those who hate you, you bless those who curse you, and you pray for those who abuse you. Real quickly, right there it is. You love, you do good, you bless, and you pray. Who do you do that with? With your enemies, with your haters, with your cursors, and your abusers. That's a pretty tall ask, right? I told you that better love is not easier love. It's better love, okay? It's deeper love. It's supernatural love. But loving our neighbor is not just a small circle. It's a much larger circle. Also, love is not just a feeling and emotion that you have. It is a commitment that you make. It's a life that you live. And so if we're going to go deeper into this, if we're really going to love better, then let's do this. So let's look at this. Four actions. Jesus spells them out for us. 
in imperative commands, one after another, he tells us exactly what we're to do. So here it is. Number one, attitude. Love your enemies. That's the first thing he calls us to do. Attitude. Love your enemies. Listen, we can't choose our emotions. Our emotions come upon us. But we can choose our attitude. And sometimes we get them mixed up and we allow our emotions to become our attitude. But really, what we have to do is we have to stop our emotions, manage our emotions, and choose our attitude. I don't feel like loving the person who has hurt me. I don't feel like loving my enemy. If they're my enemy, they're my enemy for a reason, and I really don't want to love them. In fact, I don't like them. Choosing an attitude of love is the calling to a better love. Let me say it to you like this. You don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. You don't feel, I don't feel love, so therefore I'm not going to act. And that's not the right way. It is you act, you do love, you do what love is, even when you don't feel the love. You do what love is, you act your way into a feeling. Now let's talk about that because Jesus made it clear in this same passage that we just read, verse 32, He says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Notice that Jesus is distinguishing two kinds of people here. He said, everybody loves everybody who loves them. Okay? But Jesus calls us to love even our enemies. And it's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's something we choose. We act our way into a feeling. So what does love look like? How does love work? Well, listen, don't take my word for it. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. In your own time, we're not going to read through the whole thing, but if you want to know how to act your way into a feeling, how to do love, how to have that attitude of love with the person who has hurt you the most, how do you do that? And again, I want you to keep that person at the forefront of your mind the entire message. I know that's not a negative, I know that's not a positive thought, but I want you to do that. Can I do this? When, when you read through uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you'll get all kinds of ideas. Uh, he'll talk about patience. Love is patient. Well, then you ask yourself, what does patience look like with this person? If, if it was just, if I was just patient the next time with them, what would that look like? Love is kind. Ask yourself, what's one kind thing? I could, not 10, not 12. What's one kind thing I can do for this person this month? Not for the rest of your life, but what's one kind thing I can do? See how that changes the tenor and the tone of the relationship and even of your attitude by just doing kindness. Here's another one. It talks about love is not rude. (laughs) Ask yourself the question, how have I been rude? How have I been passive aggressive? Short and shot below the belt. How have I taken him or her's name and drug it through the mud? Love is not rude. If we're to love our enemies, we're not to be rude to our enemies. Here's one more does not insist on its own way. 
If, if, if I were to love my enemy, what would be, here's a question. What would be the next thing? The next time we disagree, what if I gave them the first right of refusal? What if I gave them the first choice? What if that was what I did? Again, there's emotions welling up in some of you saying, no, 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 you don't know this person. And no, 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 you don't know the enemy that they are to me. Listen, you're not going to feel your way into this action. You're going to act your way into a feeling. Choose your attitude. Choose love. The second is action. Action. He literally says, do good. Do good to your haters. I know what Taylor Swift's song says. Haters are going to hate, hate, hate. And they're going to, you got to just got to shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. And I get it. They're going to hate. But again, there's a lot of people drinking hater rate out there. But listen to what Jesus says. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefits is that to you? Again, better love is learning to love even those who hate, even those who despise. You know, James, we just finished James chapter 1, verse 20. See, we've got to get anger under control. And if their anger is spilling into us, to calling us anger, we're, we're missing it. Because we're to do good to the haters. But here's what happens. If we try to match their anger with our anger, it's not going to end well. It never ends well, okay? James chapter 1, verse 20, we just read it a few weeks ago. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Me hurting you because you hurt me, that doesn't bring resolution. That just perpetuates the problem. See, I wonder if the next time you have that situation, if you could change the tone of the argument just by changing your tone of voice. Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a gentle answer deflects anger. But a harsh word tempers a flare. Think about that. A harsh word, a harsh word tempers a flare. It starts a fire. It's like an accelerant. But what does a soft answer do? A gentle answer? It deflects anger. Do good to those who hate you. That is the action. What is the attitude? The attitude is I'm going to choose to love you. What's affirmation? Number three. Now listen. If loving your enemy is hard, and it is. If doing good <laughs> to the person who hates you, because now you're taking action, that's hard. I can tell you right now. Blessing the one who curses you, affirming them, is incredibly hard. It's almost as if every layer of this gets harder than the layer before. But better love is a deeper love that goes down deep inside. Affirmation. Bless those who curse you. Now let me say this. You affirm the person, not the actions of the person. I'm not saying if somebody's abusing, if somebody's misusing, if somebody's neglecting, if somebody is... No, you're not affirming the actions, but you're looking past the actions and you're looking at the person on the other side of the actions and you're saying you are a part of God's creation. And I'm going to affirm you. 
And I'm going to bless you. Even though you may be cursing me, even though you may be backstabbing me. In fact, Jesus even goes into some hyperboles. He says, if a man strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If if the man takes your robe, give him your tunic. Now that's an interesting thing. I know it's a hyperbole because I don't think Jesus wants us to be in abusive relationships where you're just getting beat up. Neither do I think he wants you to run naked through the street. Now, how do I get that? Because a tunic was the person's underwear. He said, if a person takes your robe, give him your tunic. Uh, that means if you took your outer clothes, give him your underwear too. No, no, no. I don't think he's wanting us to run around in our birthday suits out there. So here's what I am thinking he's saying. He's trying to say, go the extra mile in affirming the person. And so what does the practical hyperbole work itself out to be? Verse 31. As you wish the others would do to you, do also to them. Since the 16th century, that's been called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Verse 31. That's how I memorize it. King James Version. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Listen, I've seen it to where people have literally gone on social media. In fact, I was third party to something uh, sometime past and, and third party to it. Saw it all kind of happening on the, on the perimeters. Somebody went on social media and blasted something out there in kind of a passive-aggressive approach to the organization. And I saw the boss of this person come behind this person and give the most gentle, affirming of the person response out to this person's passive-aggressive shot across the bow. And I can tell you right now, that boss who had all the authority did a better job than the person who used social media to create some negative thoughts. You bless those who curse you. Number four, and I'm just getting started, but I'm having to land the plane here. Intercession. Pray for your abusers. You love your enemies. Hard, I know. You do good. You you bless and you pray. You pray for your abusers. He's in no way encouraging staying in abusive relationships at all. In fact, he's actually saying get away and lift that person up to God. Turn them over to God. Abuse does not need to be defined. There's so many forms of abuse today. I really did a research on them and tried to wrap my arms around all the ways that we can abuse people today and whether it's words or actions or neglect or it's there's just too many ways it just points to the fallenness of man but how are we to deal with that because we want to get even but that's not our job our job is to pray what who gets even who evens the score jesus went to the cross he took a lot of the the, the pain on the cross but if there's any vengeance or revenge that needs to be made, Jesus will take care of that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, He says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay again. The Lord will judge His people. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Let God take care. If somebody has abused you and you want to really get even with them, you'll never get even with them because you'll never erase the wounds by trying to match the scars on your life. You turn them over to God in prayer. 
You walk away from the abuse. You turn them over to God in prayer and let God deal with them. You know, I was flying into Dallas uh, probably about three or four years ago, and there had been a large citywide almost violence in the streets, police, people murdered. It was, it was, it was a disaster. It was over the race, some race issues that were going on. I don't remember all the details. I was flying in and literally the, the plane had to keep circling Dallas. And I think it was a part of God's plan because I was called to pray for Dallas. I just kept praying over Dallas. And there was this phrase that just kind of came out of the loop, one of the loops around, I don't know, third, fourth loop around. And it was love is greater than hate. Love is greater than hate. And from that birthed our slogan, our phrase, our movement, our thoughts, our, our t-shirts, if you will, that we have a message that this world is dying to hear. And it is that love is greater than hate. And the love that is in us because of a vertical relationship with God is a love that enables us to love horizontally like we talked about last week. And it's because of this love that we're able to do this. It's because of loving our enemies that we're able to love our enemies. We're able to do good. We're able to, we're able to bless. And we're even able to pray for. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray for the heavy hearts right now. I pray for the hurts and the pains and the wounds and the scars. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bring healing where there's pain. And I pray that, Lord, this week alone, you will give us opportunity to love people that are quite difficult in our life. Show us mercy, love. Show us mercy love and help us to love with a mercy love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.